Hi, this is Sally Fishman, and welcome to part four of AI in Radiology, Current Status and What You Need to Know. We left off last time mentioning a little bit about the chest and AI. One of the areas you're seeing tremendous growth in AI is in chest imaging. I mentioned some of the FDA approvals for being able to pick up pneumothorax or being able to pick up pulmonary embolism. But here was an article talking about the development of deep learning algorithms for detection of major thoracic diseases on chest x-rays. And in fact, that was their goal. The algorithm and the algorithm consistently outperformed physicians, including thoracic radiologists, in the discrimination of chest radiographs with major thoracic diseases, demonstrating its potential to improve the quality and efficiency of clinical practice. So when you look at this, they were looking at things ranging from cancer to TB to pneumonia to pneumothorax, and they were doing better than the radiologists. This was a study of 54,221 chest radiographs with normal findings and 35,613 with abnormal. So you were looking at a very large data set. I would guess that chest x-rays have less issues than CT. It's a little easier to probably make uh, it look regardless of the institution work well. So again, very, very important. And the article makes the point that again, doing so well will make it an excellent second reader to help the radiologist. The high performance of the program and classification of chest x-rays with normal and abnormal findings, indicative major thoracic diseases, outperforming even thoracic radiologists suggests its potential for standalone use in select clinical situations. And I think when you think about that, um, there are many places in the world where there aren't radiologists or enough radiologists or many clinics where there are enough radiologists. So again, this may be helpful in that regard. Also, with limited resources, it may be used as a way of improving clinical workflow by prioritizing which x-rays have abnormal findings and which ones can be considered normal. It can also improve radiologists' work efficiency, which would partially alleviate the heavy workload that radiologists face today and improve patients' turnaround time. What more can you ask for? Regardless of the scenario you're speaking about, it can make improvements in that uh, area. Now, in this article by Hamayota, their objective was to assess if a novel artificial intelligence algorithm could detect pulmonary nodules on radiographs. And in this study, the algorithm was associated with improved detection of nodules on chest radiographs compared with unaided interpretation for different levels of detection difficulty and for readers with different experience. So very much kind of like the same results as before, four of nine radiologists had a lower number of missed and false positive pulmonary nodules with the help from AI-aided interpretation of chest radiographs. Again, an aid to help us work. In this article by Ruckel, reduction of missed thoracic findings in emergency whole body CT using AI. The question here was that radiology reporting of emergency whole body CTs is time critical and therefore involves a significant risk of pathology under detection. We hypothesize a relative or relevant number of initially missed 
secondary thoracic findings that would have been detected by AI platforms. And so that's what they're looking for, again, as a way of helping you in some of our most difficult studies. And you could see from their results, uh, the added value could be quantified by the number of additional findings, up to 25 patients with cardiomegaly, a borderline heart size, 17 with coronary plaques, 34 with dilatation of the thoracic aorta, 13 additional vertebral fractures, and three lung lesions of two different patients that were classified as in recommendation to uh, follow up. So again, you can see this is a program which not only looks for lung nodules, but can look at the heart, look at the aorta, look at the spine. So it's really AI looking at everything. And their conclusion was, uh, in a retrospective proof of concept, that in the setting of the emergency room, where you're looking for a range of findings, it also is a situation where relatively quote-unquote minor findings can be overlooked. This would be a really good way of assisting the radiologist in clinical settings where you are looking at large volumes of images and where you really are overworked. So again, very much a similar conclusion. Now, lots of work has also been going on in musculoskeletal imaging. Some of the initial AI applications were approved for fracture detection, simply fractures in the wrist. This article looked at machine learning looking at hip fractures. Hip fractures are a major cause of morbidity and mortality in the elderly and incur high health and social care costs. They used 3,659 hip radiographs classified by at least two experts and the machine learning method was able to classify hip fractures with 19% greater accuracy than humans, achieving an accuracy of 92%. So again, this is on plane films, but in this prototype, we were able to uh, show that it was better than radiologists, okay? And in fact, um, this analysis is a prototype only and more extensive study is needed before this approach can be fully transformed to clinical application. However, it does show significant promise. Again, showing where things stand, not quite ready for prime time, but going in that direction. Here was an article, Applications of AI and Machine Learning for the Hip and Knee Surgeon. Again, the background, AI applications have been proven beneficial. And the question is, what will it do in terms of an orthopedic surgeon. So now we're looking at AI, not just helping the radiologist, but helping the referring physician directly. And in this article by Nish, in the near future, AI will probably provide the orthopedic surgeon with key tools in an increasingly data-driven and data-dependent world. As the amount of patient-related data continues to grow, it's becoming evident that medical decisions will increasingly have recourse to AI. The latter will need to be incorporated into daily practice, with the help of automated algorithms for computers. It's also probable that advanced machine learning systems will overcome the problem of missing data. So again, the one thing you recognize, we're talking about changing the entire practice mode. Here's an article looking at uh, X-ray radiomics for the classification and differentiation of malignant and benign bone tumors. So now we've been looking at fractures, we've been looking at management, of those fractures. And now we're looking at bony tumors. Uh, again, can machine learning help us using radiomics 
determine whether a lesion is benign or malignant. Now, in their initial work, the model was lower in accuracy compared to radiologists who were musculoskeletal specialists, but they were higher or similar to radiology residents. So it's not perfect yet, but you can see that it's getting there. You need more cases, of course. Their accuracy was reasonable, but not as good as specialists. But again, it's a work in progress, and you can see what people are looking at and where things are going. Here's another article, again, the same article, talking about machine learning using both radiomics features and demographic information, which showed high accuracy and discriminatory power for distinction between benign and malignant bone tumors on radiographs of patients that underwent biopsy. Concluding, the authors felt that a model such as this may enhance diagnostic decision-making, especially for radiologists and physicians with limited experience, and therefore may improve the diagnostic workup of bone tumors. Again, this goes back to the point we made before, that perhaps AI might not be as good as an expert, but would be better than a standard radiologist. And again, we don't have experts everywhere on everything, so this truly will be a value. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of the talk about our work with pancreatic cancer. Here's some additional work on pancreatic cancer. Gupta, artificial intelligence can speed up pancreatic cancer identification, boost tumor clearance, and detect recurrent tumors during post-op surveillance as a feasible treatment. Again, AI can be very valuable in this regard. Gupta made the point that um, with the different types of algorithms, you can cre create prediction models. And it'll be interesting because one of the things that's very important is not just looking at the images, but looking at the clinical data. I think one of the big things in reality, although we're radiologists and we know everything should be just on the images, I think AI is gonna have the advantage eventually of being able to look at the images while also looking at all the data as well as looking at the notes on the physical exam, putting everything together into one system. And the whole area of pancreatic cancer detection, uh, here's just a series of articles. So you can see there's a lot of work being done. Again, the issue um, has you know still limitations in terms of patient size. Um, again, you look at the limitation column, it was basically limited data set, one institution, we need it to apply to healthcare systems, uh, other healthcare systems, data sets. Uh, again, just very, very uh, preliminary work, but indeed very promising. I want to make sure that's understood. Now, the other thing is, what about AI for QA? Now, this is some work that's done by Pelutran and a company called Ferrum Health. What they do is they look at with AI, the images and the radiologist report. So the AI is not at the front end, it's after the study's been dictated. And so using uh, advanced word processing, they're able to look for discrepancies between the imaging report and the AI, and then a third person can then look at those images and see what exactly the issue is. So really what you're doing is you're combining computer vision and natural language processing 
uh, to function in the background monitoring for critical care gaps. This is, in some sense, you can say it's great for AI, but it's also great as a way of improving accuracy without interrupting the physicians. There's always the concern of perhaps the radiologists will get interrupted by the AI, but in this scenario, they will not. The processing is running in the background. Uh, they've had articles where they've shown that if you look at this for lung nodules, they picked up many missed lung nodules. Again, the radiologist was not perfect. I guess in the long run, this is a way of doing things. The challenge, of course, is that you need a third part at the end to look and uh, look at the reports and look at the images when there's discrepancies. Uh, so there takes more work there. But again, it's a way of thinking about things a little bit differently. It's surely a wonderful way of doing QA, but it's also a way of making those changes in QA uh, at very early on in the process so the patient is treated better. The gradual inclusion or, or incursion, as some see it, of AI into various branches of medicine has ignited fierce debate in recent years, building bases of proponents and opponents in the process. We're firmly among those that believe AI will now replace practitioners and is most valuable as an adjunct in diagnostic radiology. We suggest a different approach to utilizing the technology, which may help even radiologists who may be adverse to adopting AI. We consider early indications of AI's potential as the ultimate QA for radiologists. So again, it may be an easy way of getting radiologists involved. And you can see a, a lot of work is being done uh, looking at natural language processing. Here you can see large numbers of cases. The authors conclude that natural language processing demonstrates significant potential to improve reliable follow-up to imaging findings and thus to reduce preventable morbidity in lung pathology and other high-risk and problem-prone areas of medicine. So again, um, you can see now we're using radiology as the front end, the films are red, but maybe I represent or I recommend a follow-up and it's not done. In this article from Northwestern, all of the follow-ups were done with a sensitivity of 77 and a specificity of 99%, positive predictive value of 90 plus percent for lung findings requiring follow-up. So again, you gotta think about AI is not a one horse pony. It could be anywhere in the process, and this idea of being able to do the follow-up, make sure everyone, when a radiologist says needs follow-up, everything is really done. So I think that becomes very exciting. And if you look at it, there are many ways, and here's just a simple high-level result management workflow. But again, at the end of the day, you can see one of the final things, the patient scheduled and completes follow-up, okay? or it follows up for delinquent cases. But again, it starts with the radiologist and reports sign off. It's not impacting the radiologist here. Everything is downstream. So I think it's a very good way. It's kind of a win-win for everybody. Now, I've showed you a number of things and all of them seem very promising. But the question is, is it gonna be similar to the issues with driverless cars? Everyone says that if you had roads and there were only cars, and all the cars had sensors, there would be no accidents, and that's true. So in the perfect scenario, it works well. But if you look at the image on the right, there is no perfect scenario because there's someone crossing the street, there are cars that 
aren't on the uh, aren't driverless for at least the next 30 or 40 years. Uh, there are all sorts of things that happen. Someone runs in the street, a ball falls in the street. There's lots of things that aren't perfect. So one of the things we really need to realize in AI is it can't be the perfect scenario. It can't be the perfect CT scan, and then you can make the perfect diagnosis with AI. AI is going to be have, have to look at studies that are not of the best quality and make the diagnosis on those scans if it really wants to be successful in the real world practice. And when you think about AI, the problems and the challenges, Reproducibility of data results is a major challenge, and I've mentioned that with every paper. Studies are often designed to solve a limited problem, which means that you're going to have 40 different algorithms running to really get everything right. Again, limited data sets from select populations makes the results at times questionable. And then, of course, there's always unintentional errors in calculations. Mistakes are made and the results look too good, and they really aren't. So with that, let's stop here, and then let's do part five and finish up this talk. And with that, I'll see you back in a few minutes. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.